Hello, this is Ted Floyd. I am the editor of the American Birding Association's Birding Magazine, and I've been out birding for much of the past week. This is my favorite time of the year with the nesting season in high gear. It's also my favorite time of the year because I get to interact so extensively right now with young birders at ABA teen birding camps in connection with the ABA Young Birder of the Year program and simply out in the field enjoying birds and nature together. This is also the time of the year when the ABA kicks into its nesting season appeal, an urgent mid-year campaign to raise money for all our young birder programs, as well as the many public services like this podcast, which require funding beyond basic memberships. To contribute to the nesting season appeal, please donate online at aba.org give or call us at 800 850 2473 and give what you can. Programming at the ABA is highly cost efficient and your donation will go directly to resources for young birders and the whole community of people who care about birds and birding. Again, that website is aba.org give and the phone number is 800-850-2473. Thank you for ensuring a bright future for birds and for birders And good birding to all of you. Hello and welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I am Nate Swick. A few weeks ago, I talked with friend of the ABA, Nick Block, about classification committee changes potentially coming to your life list. Well, that committee, the American Ornithological Society North American Classification Committee, released their changes a couple weeks ago. And so now we get to see whether Nick was right or not. It's not really fair to Nick. We talked about how much of taxonomy is subjective, which is kind of weird for a science, but there you have it. And I don't know about you, but I felt like Nick was being a little more circumspect this year, probably because of the experiences we've had trying to predict these decisions in the past. But they're out. There's one split, the Mugol split that we sort of expected but it comes with the loss of the name Mugol, a decision I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about yet. But many birders will be welcoming short-billed gull to their lists, and many states and provinces, and the ABA checklist for that matter, will be adding common gull. So plus one for a lot of us. Other stuff of note, the cormorants got reshuffled, and many will receive a new genus name. The West Coast kind of small-headed shag-like birds are Urile, maybe Urile, not exactly sure how to do that one yet. And our familiar double-crested and the wandering neotropic are Nenopterum. Great remains in Phallocrocorax. Ruby crowned kinglets, five-striped sparrows, and spruce grouse all have new genera. All are the sole members of their new genus, befitting the bird's oddball status. And there was a massive rearrangement of passerines, perching birds, that will no doubt make all of your current field guides out of date. I mean, it, it is... Just a new way of listing bird families. But there's some cool stuff kind of stuck in there, like the fact that the Orioles and Blackbirds and Icteridae are stuck between the Chat Cuban Warbler and the Wood Warblers. Maybe that makes something like the infamous Choriel, the presumed Chat Oriole hybrid that has been present in California for three consecutive years, maybe more likely. It also splits up the chickadees and nuthatches quite a bit. I don't know about you, but I always found it sort of interesting, maybe comforting even that they've always been pretty close together in field guides. Turns out they shouldn't be. The chicks and titmice are up by the corvids. 
and nut hatches are closer to tree creepers and gnat catchers. So that's interesting. Evolution. It's a heck of a thing. I'd like to direct you to a piece written by my ABA colleague, Michael Redder, on the ABA website that breaks down these changes, all of the changes, all the way down to Panama. It's comprehensive. It's informative. It's everything you want in bird content. So this is an encore episode. I am in Florida with my family. I wanted to record all this stuff early, so no rare bird alert this week. We will catch up on that next week. But first, actor Ian Harding is best known for his role as Ezra Fitz on the long-running freeform drama Pretty Little Liars. But, but, he's also a birder. And in his memoir Odd Birds, which came out in 2017, he talked about his life as a young celebrity through the lens of birding. For real. I'm not joking. So let's get to it. My guest today is best known for his work on Freeform Network's drama Pretty Little Liars, where he has won 17 Choice Awards for playing the role of teacher Ezra Fitz. But actor Ian Harding is a birder, too. And in his new memoir, Odd Birds, he writes about his life as an actor and the huge part birds have played in it. Thanks for joining me, Ian. Thank you for having me. Uh, so you've been interested in birds for nearly your whole life as you, as you write in Odd Birds. Uh, the story you tell is, is a really relatable one. Uh, for people who haven't read the book, uh, when did you start appreciating birds, and, and what is it about them that you find so fascinating? You know, I, I having just written a book about why I love them, I still don't know the real answer. I guess at the end of the day, it's just been a fascination and something that I have always enjoyed. I, I You know, I grew up in sort of suburban Virginia with, with a lot of access to, um, uh, ponds, fields, forests, all of that. So I had a nice sort of education growing up when I was doing it, but my dad and I would often go out, uh, at the end of the day and sort of go through the forest together. And I just happened to connect with birds. You know, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of kids would connect to trees or mammals or, or something like that. But I just really got into the, um, the, our friends with feathers, if you will. And I've just sort of I've been at it really passionately for the past five or six years, because before I was just really excited about what I could find in my basic Eastern guide uh, or Eastern Audubon guide. And so and then I put it away for a little while just because, again, you know, I was very foolishly uh, embarrassed of it when I was in middle school, high school, because I was afraid. I think that's a pretty common thing. I, you know, I went through the same thing when I was in, in middle school and high school, too. Really serious birder as a young kid, kind of stepped away from it uh, for a while and came back into yes. it uh, as, a, as an older person when I had more time and, and more interest and less, you know, I was less concerned about what other people thought about yes. my interests. Yeah, I, I can agree. I mean, after a while, I mean, I just, isn't it funny that once I started caring about it um, or, or talking about it, you know, I, when I talk about it now, it's interesting The people, it's, it's almost as if it's a litmus test for someone's uh, quality or, or, or whether or not you want to talk with somebody, because I bring it up and somebody comes off as almost offended, you know, people like that they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you, so you like go and you just, you watch birds. There's like a mild, there's like a tinge of anger in their voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that that's like, Oh, I don't want to actually talk to this person about anything, let alone bird watching. But, uh, but then, you know, if somebody's like, really, then you have somebody that, oh, this is somebody who can step outside themselves and like you're about other interests. You know, that's that's somebody that you want to talk to. Yeah. I, I really like the story about your sort of return to birding with that chance encounter of the, the hood of merganser and the, you know, the friend of a friend who was a birder. Uh, what did it mean to you to bring that that part of yourself back to the front of your life? It meant a lot just because it it, it suddenly tapped into 
um, I guess my childhood or, or it tapped back into a sense of wonder and, and of discovery. And because I had been living in LA for a while and I had been working as an actor and, and I think LA is given a bad rap often just because the industry out here can be very shallow and, and very results oriented and, and can, you know, it eats its own young and all these other horrible phrases <laughs> that we can attribute to it. But I started to get into that mindset of not even the LA lifestyle, but the LA bitterness where one is lucky and successful and should be basically, you know, counting your blessings every day. But instead you find yourself in this mode of functioning that is, um, what I would like to call being perpetually over it, you know, um, and it, it cynical. Being, yeah. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> it being, whatever, uh, but with birding, I was able, you know, just sort of meeting a friend and and started talking about it again. I started getting very excited because it was something that came back from my past. And I think as I, I was an actor for most of my life in, in some capacity, it it like touched into a sense of play that I had kind of lost since I started getting a paycheck yeah, for, for acting. So so I think that's that's what that kind of did for me. And then ever since I've just been sort of a, a, a student to it. And, and, and I feel like when you're a student to, to, to bird watching it, it, that mentality uh, seeps into other parts of your life, whether that's a need to be honest about a, what you've seen as, as you should be honest in real life, but then be being humbled, you know, to, to say that oh, I know what that thing is, you know, is, is you. Yeah. No, birds, birds can definitely humble you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's done a lot for me. Uh, so it's, it's the book is a collection of essays. Uh, most of them, you know, kind of tie your life as an actor to experiences that you had with birds in, in ways that are really clever. Um, I think that my favorite is the chapter about the California condor uh, that you yes. liken to uh, a really great acting role and all the turkey vultures that you sort of have to pick through to find that condor is sort of the dozens, hundreds of auditions that you have to do to, to get that role. Right. Um, do these sort of metaphors, these connections occur to you when you're out in the field, or is it something that you sort of need to sit on for a little bit to, to really come up with them? Uh, when writing the book, uh, some of them I had to sort of sit on, but some of them made sort of sense instantly. And and also going going out with uh, my buddies, John and Walter, um, John, the the reluctant birder, and, and Walter, the, the avid <laughs> lifelong uh devon yeah great characters in the book uh, great characters and real people too and uh you know when i go out with them they're able to we can we can get very poetic very quickly if we you know are, are outside and sharing a bottle of something and and so sometimes they come to us fairly easily but you know like i think that the connection between paparazzi and like sneaking up on some very rare bird i think is is a pretty obvious Right, yeah, you mentioned the book too, and that is really a clever one that I hadn't thought about. You know, I've chased many rare birds, never really think about it from the perspective of the bird itself. Maybe I should. Right. <laughs> what was especially daunting was was seeing some of the lenses, the telephoto mm -hmm. lenses that are it's used. The same ones, yeah. The same ones <laughs> in both wild. fields. Yeah. Um, but the you know with the condor, I think it was um, that that's one of the many things that birding does for me is it actually you know is is an allegory or sort of helps highlight other parts of my life, and so. You know, I, I, yes, I was writing a book, and so I was thinking perhaps a, a bit more deeply about both my life and my um, love for uh, for birding. But you know, some uh, some I have to like take a second and think out. But some were pretty were pretty obvious. But uh, the, the condor thing was was 
that was also the, that was not the first time that I had gone looking for it really. I mean, um, and this, <laughs> we just consistently like this time we thought we had it. Oh, thought yeah, we had yeah. it. And we did have that moment where something was so far away, but still sizable mm-hmm. enough, but you just, you know, you definitely need the, 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 the better view needed. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. um, you know, it was, it was a pretty uh, spot on allegory for, for acting where it's just, you're so close and you know, it. you can taste it, you can feel it, whether you're, you're testing for a pilot and it's you and it's this other guy and you know that it will be one or either of, of you, you know, and yet, and then it goes to him. So, so no, it's a, it's pretty, a pretty sound connection um, that maybe people wouldn't get at first. Yeah. That's also the chapter where you describe the, the song of the Canyon Ran as a cartoon character falling off a cliff with Ashley. That actually made me laugh. That was a really good, really good description. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's how I try Cause I'm not the best with, um, with songs and calls and everything. I, I mean, I, I, but if I can figure out some way to even make a joke for myself, you know, like one of the, I think of like the Northern Perula, which I, I had only recently seen. Yeah, it's not a very common bird in California. It's not. And, mm-hmm. and but because every time I'm back on the East Coast, you know, I, I, I've been trying to find it because like it has the call that like goes up and then it top and then it like plateaus. And so, you know, I try and think of this, you know, the same sort of thing where. It stays in the upper reaches of the branches and then and then stays there. And that's how I like sort of associate oh, the yeah, call. Yeah, that's good. And that's one of the reasons I could never see it, because it was so high up <laughs> yeah, and in dense like Virginia forest. And I'm like, I, I know you're there, I just can't see you because you're the tiniest warbler. <laughs> yeah. You you may have ruined Canyon Wren for me. Um you know, I think we have a tendency to be very poetic about that that bird song because it's you know, it's just so evocative of that place, you know dramatic yes, scenery yes. and all this and it's that beautiful descending and but now it's going to be a cartoon character falling off it's even got the splat at the end too yes yeah <laughs> uh do you do you get a chance to do any birding when you're on set um I, occasionally i mean when we have shot in uh cemeteries i've i've sort of eh, just kind of seen if i can like wander off but actually most recently i was doing uh, a pilot we're still sort of waiting to see uh what happens with it but we were shooting down in san pedro and we were, you know, on one of the docks and, and it was early morning. And I know I'm like, OK, close to water. It's early morning. Let's see if I can find anything. And I actually I do usually bring, you know, a bag with me whenever I go to set, which is mainly just for any sort of entertainment. You know, between takes, you read something, you, you know, you do something like that. But in my bag, I have a small pair of, of Nikon trailblazers that are sort of my, you know, traveling travel bags. Yeah. I, I, got, I was able to go out and just, you know, sort of chilling between the docks was a, a was it a Pacific grebe? No, it was the Western grebe. Western, excuse me. Yeah, it was the Western grebe. And I, and I was, was uh, neat, yeah. you know, just like taking a second, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that I think some of my uh, castmates uh, uh, for this pilot were were a little perplexed <laughs> because I was I was like right under this barbed wire fence looking at this uh this western green and getting very excited um <laughs> but but yeah no so that's that's usually i try and sneak away and i'll or i'll have a moment where you know i think it'd be one thing if suddenly we find ourselves shooting in uh right you, all of a sudden you're distracted by what's flying over <laughs> right right in the middle of the sentence I, i'm like yeah that would be really that'd be really painful that is one of the great things about birding is that you can you can pretty much do it everywhere you know the birds are all over the place Truly. there's always something interesting to look at i mean no joke. I, I've 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 been out and there's a specific purpose of birding in Virginia, and then finally one day I'm I'm like just taking a walk around the neighborhood with my mother, and I hear that little call and I'm like, no way. 
and I look up in this tiny little tree. I mean, it's, it's maybe like 15 feet high and just sort of minding its business is this Northern Perula. <laughs> and, and I, and I, of course I'm like, I'm losing my mind just because <laughs> and I'm looking at it with, I'm, I'm no joke, five feet. Like my face to this bird is five feet. Oh yeah. That's nice. It's just, and I was like, wait a minute, I've been trying to see this thing for <laughs> like, for, for no joke, like the past year and a half. And I, and, and here it is just chilling. And, and, you know, and my mom was like, I don't, I really don't get this. <laughs> Why you're so excited about this. But, but yeah, um, you can really do it anywhere. Uh, one of the things you write about a bit, a bit is um, being sort of the bird person among your circle of friends and, and colleagues that you work with. Uh, you get texts and messages with bad pictures of birds. I think that's something that a lot of us have sort of uh, experienced. Uh, do you still, do you still get those texts from people? I do. I, I got one from both from my actual castmates. Keegan likes doing that just for fun. Like he'll, We'll take a picture of the empty sky and be like, "What bird is this?" <laughs> and and I, and I just usually reply back with some simple expletive. <laughs> but um, but no, I got one. This is a couple of years ago now, but I remember getting one from my friend Catherine. She was up in New Hampshire, and and she she they said we found. She sent me a picture, and the the text said we found this in my husband's backyard. What is this? And I looked at it, and and I, it was clearly a juvenile of some sort, and I couldn't tell. Um, so like I was able to like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go learn from this now because I can go. I'm like, you know what? I don't know what that is, but yeah, no, I definitely get. I, I'm I'm lucky enough to have that ability where either I know it right off the bat, and you look like a total champ, or or you don't, and you go, and now like that experience of going and searching for it, you now have you have that knowledge and the in the back of your brain. Yeah, it, it sort of goes to show how interesting birds are to even people who are not birders too. You know, people are still, you know, inclined to to notice that sort of thing and, and send it off and want to know what it is too, which is, True. You, know, you know, this interest in birds, people's interest in nature. I think it's going to be really base. Because people can tell, I mean, there there were people that, uh, when the um, the painted bunting mm-hmm. was in Brooklyn. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And, and people were losing their minds. Oh, yeah, Some that one. Blew, they, they, people can tell when something's out of out of context or, or people that were walking by are suddenly like, oh, my God, look how beautiful that thing is. <laughs> yeah. You know, these are, uh, I guess, people, you know, Brooklynites. Is that even the proper term? I uh, guess Brooklyn- they would probably have something to say about that, but I don't know it offhand. <laughs> right. I, I hope I don't get like hate yeah. mail because of it. But, you know, when they're used to looking at pigeons right. and everything like that, suddenly, oh, my God, you have this bright, uh, you know, seemingly tropical bird. Like, you know, chilling on your, uh, in your local park. I think that's pretty shocking. I, um, I think it's probably fair to say that this book that you, this odd birds is going to be read by more people than any birding book, birding specific book, just by, by virtue of your celebrity. So it's really refreshing that you are, you are so true to the experience of birding in it. That's one thing that I really enjoyed about it. Um, are you prepared to be seen as sort of the face of birding to a community of people who, who probably didn't think too much about it before? Yeah, I think I am. I, 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 with that said, I, you know, I, when I think of, when I think of like the face of birding, I think like Ken Kaufman or Sibley or any, you know, any of those guys or, 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 uh, women. I mean, I, but also for most of them, you know, other than Ken and, and Sibley, I wouldn't know their faces really. Right. If exactly. I saw, you yeah. know, just because they write the books, they write the guides and everything. And, and I think I, I think what would be different about my sort of piece of this birding puzzle, if you will, is that I'm not I'm not particularly 
I think I'm good at birding, but I'm not great. I mean, earlier in this conversation, I said, I said, Pacific Grieve is Western, (laughs) you know, and like, yeah, I may know that like, all right, so the shading on the neck is different from other Greaves that you might mistake it for, but I'm not, but I'm not an expert. Like, you know, I feel like Ken Kaufman is the guy that will be able to tell you from like the, something flying overhead, you will know exactly what it is. But at the same time, in preparing for this book, I actually had a conversation with him and I was, you know, very lucky to have to be able to do it. And I told him about um, an experience that I had had uh, earlier that year where I had never seen a Blackburnian warbler before. But I was really struck by just the the shimmering, like, gold. It, I mean, it looks honestly like the thing is, like, slightly on fire. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah they're incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, and yet I, I you know, this is when I was down in, in High Island, and uh, you know I, I was really struck by it. And he said, "Aren't they stunning?" And this is a man who has seen this species of bird like uh, multiple times, you know, but still can really wax poetic about it. And I think that's that's where where I would fall. It's not I'm by no means an expert. My life list is very short. Like right now, it's like maybe around two hundred, maybe. I mean, it's not a lot. Well, I mean, I don't think that you you need to be that that super expert birding. I think just sort of introducing this this concept, which is why I was so excited that you know you you talk about birding in a way that it feels really true to me, someone that's been birding for a long time, and that is sometimes hard to impart in public media yeah. in culture. Sometimes, yeah. um, you know, there's there's absolutely this sort of dorky aspect to it. You know, can't can't deny that, but there's also this real sense of discovery, this real sense of, uh, of being out and, and being part of something that's, right. that's bigger than you, that, you know, being aware of this world that maybe other people aren't aware of that I think is really true, true and universal. And, uh, I mean, you do a really fantastic job of, of getting that through in the book. Well, thank you. I mean, that's, that's, that's the highest compliment that I can get where it's, you know, I don't, I, I I'm not really the guy. Well, I suppose I'm, I'm both of these types of birders where you see the thing and you're like, yes. Mm-hmm. And you get excited <laughs> about going and like checking it off somewhere. But simultaneously, it's, you know, it, it is it is always the journey. There's no, you know, how much would it suck if you literally saw every bird in the world? <laughs> yeah. What yeah. are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, Hang it know, up. <laughs> I, yeah, just go. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to take up, like, knitting. I don't know. You know, so, uh, and not to, not to crap on knitting, but it's the same thing where, where I, I, it is hard to explain to people why you enjoy it. But it is it, it, it's for multiple reasons. It, it can be something that's purely aesthetic, like seeing, you know, I, I think American kestrels are a, are are an aesthetically pleasing oh, yeah. bird. Yeah, absolutely. They're literally red, white and blue. They're ferocious <laughs> and yet they're tiny. You know, like how great is that? But simultaneously, they're a wonderful indicator species for a, a, a local habitat's health. So there's tons of reasons that I enjoy it. And, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm aware that I just wrote a book that I was paid <laughs> to, you know, to write. It's also something for me personally, where for the most part, I'm not, I'm not selling it. Like I'm not, especially now in Hollywood where everything is for sale. Social media allows for everything to be monetized, everything to be uh, displayed. And it's somewhat expected. Whereas, this thing that I love 
I can really get behind it because I think it's a passion that is worthy, that, that is a way of getting you outside of yourself that gets you off of your phone, unless you know, you're playing like a, a bird call or something, <laughs> or you know, bird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, right. Or e-bird. But that's kind of why I do it because it's not, it's not really, it's not going to make me a bajillionaire. And it's a, it's, it's something that does not directly affect my acting career per se. And it's something that I get genuinely peaceful and calm you know, like literally hanging out in a swamp, mm-hmm. you know, like how not many people have that. And, and um, I'm rambling now, but <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm letting you know it, it's yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. It's this wonderful kind of experience that is hard to get across sometimes. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, maybe more people will be, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to make a ton of birders, but it might get some people outside. Right. A portion of those might become interested in, in the stuff that's going on around them. Right. Yeah, it's all it's all good. Some people may, you know, if if people end up getting into conservation or realize, like, you know what, birding, you know, is is, is boring to me, but you know what isn't like habitat loss. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's something that I suddenly care about. Like while reading this book, you know, then 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 already it's a success for me. So yeah, so Pretty Little Liars has has wrapped up. Um, you probably got some new projects on the horizon. Uh, do you think that you will be able to integrate your interest in birds and nature? birds and, and kind of nature more generally into any role that you're going to be playing in the future? Is that, is that something that you'd like to do? Man, I hope so. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope that there's another project that may involve that might actually involve birds that I'm sort of the sort of in the cooker. It, right, maybe that's not the phrase I want. That's sort of, uh, that's sort of, uh, coming along, we'll say. So that, that's probably the most direct connection from, from my, uh, in terms of projects and birding. But one of, I mean, one of the great things about the acting industry is that for the most part, you can, yes, a lot of stuff is shot in Los Angeles, but let's say, let's say I'm shooting something that's in like Costa Rica or something. Well, then I'll just tag, you know, I'll just tag like three extra days onto the end of my shoot schedule and go explore there. Or, or, you know, a lot of stuff is shot in Vancouver. Well, I haven't seen a lot of, I haven't seen a lot of like Northern coastal birds. I'm sure that I go find some there or like, or some owls that are, are not common, you know, or common down here. So that's how I try and integrate it. I'm sure that, you know, I hope that I can somehow bring it a little bit more into the limelight. And, uh, and I thought happens something great, but, uh, it, it, do I think there's going to be an action film and I'm like, you know, yeah. Birding does not really lend itself well to, to action films. <laughs> it's true. Unless, yeah. yeah, no, I'm trying to think of, there's just no way to make it. I, I doubt many people would be intimidated by somebody in khakis and like binoculars. <laughs> no. <laughs> Aside from Indiana Jones, but that's a special case. Yes. Well, he had a bull whip. So, like, <laughs> that's you know. true. Yeah. Maybe we should carry bull whips. Maybe that's what we should do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, thanks, Ian. Uh, Ian Harding can be found playing the role of Ezra Fitz on the TV drama Pretty Little Liars, coming to its dramatic conclusion on Freeform Network this month. But you can catch it from the beginning on Netflix if you are so inclined. He's also at Ian M. Harding on all the social medias. Uh, you can find Oddbirds wherever books are sold. Thanks, Ian. It is a really great book. I, I hope you get a lot of condors, both birds and the uh, and the rolls. Amazing. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks for having me. The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it by joining the ABA. We're also running our mid-year nesting season appeal, so you can donate 
to the ABA as well. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, think of it as like, uh, you know, the NPR model. But if you want to join, members do get a lot of cool stuff like great magazines, discounts to partners like Beauty of Books and the Cornell Lab, and opportunities to travel with us. You can get information about all that stuff at aba.org slash join, or you can donate at aba.org slash gift. Executive producer of the podcast and president of the ABA is Jeffrey Gordon, who is 100% behind Ian Harding playing the role of John James Audubon in some sort of HBO miniseries, presumably called Pretty Little Flyers. Technical production is by John Lowry, who notes that Ian Harding, being from Southern California, could probably be pretty involved in this bird names thing with a Merlet advocacy organization, maybe called, I don't know, Flip the Scripts. Additional help from David Hartley and Greg Neese, who certainly sympathize with Harding after the cancellation of the Antarctica-based Fox comedy Thin Ice, but have some ideas about rebooting it with a decidedly more albatross-centric focus. Fox, you know how to reach us. You can find us online at aba.org, on the various social medias as American Birding Association or ABA, the birding ABA. Yes, Ian Harding has won eight Teen Choice Awards, but has he ever won a turn Choice Award, and by that I mean has a turn ever chosen to defecate on his head while he runs flailing away from a nesting colony that he accidentally walked too close to? I don't think so, Hollywood. Call me when you win that one, huh? Questions, comments, corrections can come to podcast.aba.org. I'm Nate Swick. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. See you next week.